Welcome to season two of The Unforgiving 60 with your hosts, Ben Pronk and Tim Curtis. Two ex-SAS guys armed with MBAs. In this show, Ben and Tim seek out people leading lives less ordinary and talk with them about how they fill their unforgiving minutes and what helps them go always a little further. And welcome to the Unforgiving 60 podcast. I'm Tim Curtis with my musical co-host, Ben Prop. <laughs> Hello, Tim. How are you? Now, we've had a few pretend musicians on the show. Yeah. Tim Robertson. We'll Pre- get... Probably. Yeah, okay. Pretend. Pretend. Yeah. Uh, well, the externals probably not so pretend. Open for Powderfinger. Played a big day out. Played a big day out. Triple J. Donnybrook Festival. I'll give him... I'll give him musical They're pretty chops. real. Yeah. They're pretty real. Yeah. And, and you're standing here with your guitar in your hand, which I'm very curious about. <laughs> Not pretend. Real, real deal. But our next musician is the real deal. He's 22 years old. He's currently at the West Australian Academy for Performing Arts. He's been Triple J unearthed. He's played in support of the likes of Killing Heidi, Justice Crew. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, Shepherd. British India, Kyle Leinhardt, and the list goes on. He's played pretty much every festival around the country, and he's got a new single out. Now, I think, I think we might just get him to play something live, which still doesn't explain why you've got your guitar. I'm going to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you, you forget that Angry Anderson sang backup for, for me and my band at one stage. We were pretty big. Mm-hmm. Well, were you as big as being nominated for the 2019 WA Song of the Year? We're in that kind of league. (laughs) (laughs) No, we weren't. We're nowhere near. That's pretty impressive. All right. Well, before we transition, are you ready to play us out? Let's get on with the show. Skin, or shouldn't it cool me down and not hurt me? I look at the people inside, I want to be like them, or should it really be so hard for me? And I hate myself for feeling like this. What can my mind just stop? And welcome back to the Unforgiving 60 podcast. Unfortunately, I'm still here with my co-host, Ben Pronk. I'm Tim Curtis. G'day, Ben. Hello, Tim. How are you? And in the studio, Mitchell Martin. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. No, fantastic. And I was just telling the story about how I saw you down at the Nanup Music Festival. Yes. And, you know, I have this theory that you always got to be careful who's watching you. My young 14-year-old daughter, <laughs> not in a peculiar That's, odd no, way. That sounds really creepy. And then, yeah, okay. But my 14-year-old daughter got one of your CDs and she oh, went cool. up um, to get you to sign it. And I was watching carefully your behaviour. And some musicians would be talking to their drummer, you know, talking about when they're going to get their next beer, but you were very engaged and incredibly polite to her. Oh, well, that's good. So, <laughs> I'm um, glad that came off that way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't real. It's not very rock star. It's not very rock star. Honestly, it doesn't happen that often that after a show, I actually have people coming up to me. So and then I, when I had like an actual lion, it was really cool. So I... Um, Definitely took the opportunity to yeah actually get to meet people and have a chat. So yeah, it was really cool. And it's an awesome festival. The the little town of Nanup in um, southwest Western Australia yep. pretty much closes and yeah. multiple stages, including the town hall. Exactly. Which is a super cool venue. Yeah, it was. That was your first time down there? Yeah, it was my first time performing. I've actually been when I was younger because I'm from Bunbury. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not that far away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Phage, the lady that organizes it quite well. So yeah, yeah, it was my first time actually performing though. And um. Yeah, I've been applying for like the last five years, so I was super excited to finally get on the bill because yep. it is super competitive. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you've brought your guitar in, which is exciting. I ben have. still has his guitar. <laughs> 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 I'm headlining. <laughs> I think on the support act. <laughs> <laughs> we won't plug that in. You just air guitar, <laughs> just <laughs> pantomime. <laughs> what What are you bringing to to the collaboration, Tim? Uh, producing <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I silently I'm looking at Yonku the sound engineer I think a producer's someone that doesn't really actually have any skills is that right <laughs> he's, he's, he's a bit undecided about that. All right, let's start with you. Cool. Um, tell us a little bit about your growing up and how you got into music. Yeah, so um, I'm from Bunbury. Um, I did a bit of singing in primary school, as in choir. Never actually formal lessons or anything like that. Um, that was my first introduction into music. We didn't have a very big music program at my primary school at all. We pretty much just had choir, unless you wanted to do like piano lessons or something like that. Uh, which I didn't do. Um, so I pretty much got into music really in year eight. And I started guitar lessons. Um, I joined a thing that they had there called Rock Tech, which is where like you'd go every, I think it was like Friday afternoon or something like that. And um, they would form bands out of people that were like also studying instruments. Um, so I pretty much jumped into bands like straight away, probably too early. Didn't really know how to play very well yet. And was just <laughs> <laughs> trying to play guitar in like different bands and things like that. And um, it just grew from there. In year nine, I was in like another band. I was doing rock tech and I'd been playing guitar now for like a year and a half. And um, I was playing guitar and there was like three of us that were all playing guitar and that we didn't have a singer and we just had like just heaps of instrumentalists. So that was when we all sort of started to sing a little bit. And um, <laughs> we ended up just going with me as the singer because ah. I could sort of sing in tune. <laughs> was, it, was it that, you know, church, choir, um, operatic style? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. We were doing, oh, I can't even remember what sort of songs. We did um, Heartbreak by Faker. I don't know if you know that song. I can't even remember, <laughs> really remember how these go. But we were doing those sort of songs, like sort of pop rocky stuff. And um, that was got, what got me into really singing. And then, um, yeah, when I was 15, I ended up just, just singing and putting the guitar down completely and I was singing in a band mm. and about at that time was when I started having voice problems and hurting my voice because my voice was like in the middle of breaking and yeah. I just didn't know what I was doing really because I never had any like singing training. Um, so that was when I started singing lessons and I've been pretty mm. much doing them ever since and um, yeah, did guitar lessons all the way through high school up to year 12 and then once I graduated, I started teaching guitar at the high school. Um, I was teaching like 30 kids a week. That sort of threw me in the deep end a little bit, but it was really, really great experience. And I got a lot better from just playing guitar all day, every day for two years and performing on weekends and things mm. like that. But let's talk back about to your, sorry, back to your start with guitar. Was there a catalytic tune or image that got you into guitar? Is there something you can think back on that said, yeah, I want to be that guy? Not really. I, I always liked the idea of playing an instrument, but I actually wanted to play drums. And um, mm -hmm. my parents just said no. <laughs> and, um, you need a big garage yeah. or a shed well away from the they, house. They were not keen on that idea at all. Um, so they, they let me play guitar. It was sort of the was second a option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was never really the kind of person to like listen to like rock and roll. And I wasn't really like introduced to the guitar like a lot of kids are, where they see all these like amazing guitarists and like be like, oh, I want to be like that. It was just like, I just want to play music. Mm. And cool. um, yeah, just sort of sparked like that for me but um yeah the biggest ed um inspiration for me came when like ed sheeran mm -hmm. became the big thing when i was about yeah like 14 15 um the whole singer songwriter thing like really appealed to me and i just really liked his music and that was sort of what got me further into like the singing guitarist person do you say feel that? old that Ed Sheeran, who I still think is quite a new artist, yeah. <laughs> was, was inspirational to, yeah. to Mitchell. Yeah, yeah well, because yeah, he came out like, in 2011. So that was, yeah, I was 14 at the time and I'm now nearly 23. I think so, it comes yeah. out in your style of music, that Ed For Sheeran sure. piece. A buddy of mine, Mike, who was sitting next to me in the garden listening to uh, to you, mm. did say, you're very Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And in actual fact, on your YouTube channel, you play an Ed Sheeran song. Yes. Six years ago? Yes, I and did. And then yep. six years later. Yeah. Talk, talk about that. So it was my first ever YouTube video that I actually uploaded. And um, yeah, it was a video of me. I'd just gotten a loop pedal, which is, um, yeah, most people know what that is, but like a... Full disclosure, plug, I yeah. do not. Oh, so you, you plug your guitar <laughs> into it. Have you seen it? Like, he's the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, was, he was what inspired me into that as well. 
And um, basically, it's a pedal that you buy for your, your guitar, and you can also plug a microphone into it. And then as you press it, you play at the same time. And then when you press it again, what you've played repeats, and mm. it's called a loop. Sounds like Ben's speaking material. <laughs> just loops over and over the same <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I need one of those machines. As we socially distant, <laughs> yeah, I can just be a loop machine <laughs> next year. Yep. But yeah, so basically... Um, yeah, I did a video of me trying to do one of his songs and um, with the full looping thing. And it was pretty rough. At the time, I thought it was awesome. And um, a lot of people did. Like, I put it up on my Facebook and I remember I like, got like 100 likes and people were, like, thought it was really cool. But then looking back on it, I was like, wow, like, each year as I got older, I was like, man, it just like, gets more and more terrible to like, watch it back. So um, I decided I'd seen like, some other people do like the six-year like, singing transformation video. And um, I didn't want to just do one where I was singing because, like, it's not really all I do because I'm, like, an instrumentalist as well. So I decided to recreate the very first video. And I did it with my full looping setup that I have now and did it and um, talked about the two different songs. And, yeah, that video's now, like, got about 20,000 views on YouTube, the oh, wow. transformation mm-hmm. video, which is very cool. And, um, yeah, definitely... You can definitely see heaps of improvement vocally and musically. It was just and, and in operating, I've never used one of those loop machines. Yeah. but I imagine because I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah, I don't think of when to start a loop and bring Absolutely. it back in. It is very, um, it's very hard when you first start. Timing is a huge issue, but also yeah, just being able to do multiple things at once. Because singing and playing guitars are already doing two things at once, and then when you're trying to bring like stop and start loops and bring in all the different layers and make sure they're all nice levels and things like that, it does get quite complicated. <laughs> I, I even had dramas with the distortion pedal. I was yeah. forever turning yeah. it on in the soft I've bits and that, stuff. I've yeah, heard yeah. that a lot from a lot of people. <laughs> and um, yeah, I hadn't really gotten into like electric guitar pedals until after I'd done the loop pedal. And um, I just found, yeah, just doing looping, it really made me a much, much better musician just because you have to be so in time mm. and yeah you're just always thinking about what's going into the song a lot more would so, it make yeah. me a better didgeridoo player <laughs> i'm guessing i probably can't plug into my didgeridoo i don't know it you, can't make you a worse didgeridoo <laughs> <player>. <laughs> you definitely chuck a mic in front of it yeah play some beats on it maybe yeah <laughs> mitchell cool. do not encourage <laughs> oh, the last I thing we need is that amplifier <laughs> next time i'll bring my didgeridoo into the studio <laughs> please don't okay. Okay, let's talk about the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, or yes. WAPA. Great school. Yes. You've been accepted and you're yes. in your fourth year. Yes. How did that all come about? Um, so, yeah, after... Like, when I graduated high school in 2014, I'd actually gotten into um, science, UWA. Um, but I really didn't, like, know if that was what I wanted to do. It was just sort of what I'd been doing in school. Like, I got a really good ATAR and everything like that. And... Um, I was just sort of thinking, oh, I need like a, a good job, you know, so I was sort of looking at doing, going into the mines and things like that because my, my dad works in the mines. Um, but yeah, I took the year off and did the guitar teaching as my gap year. And then at the end of that, I was like, I really just am not ready to study yet. I'm not ready to move to Perth and start trying to do science full time. So I was like, I'll take another year. And at the end of that, I was like, you know, I could just teach. Like, I really enjoy teaching and... Um, it's like I could get to do music all day, every day. So I was like, well, I'll go to WAPA. I'll do this diploma that I've heard about and then just see where it goes from there. So I did, um, I went and auditioned and I got accepted like on the spot, which was really cool. I was going to say, let's, yeah, let's not over, yeah. it's not just a matter no, of filling out a form and going through. to WAPA. No. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for I did the artist, music artist diploma was what I auditioned for. Um, so basically you have to go in there and you have to play two songs. So that was really the only criteria for this one. It's not as theory-based as most of the other bachelor courses at WAPA because it's a diploma. Yes, I got to pick the songs. Okay, let me guess. One was Ed Sheeran. No, actually neither were Ed Sheeran, but both did use the loop pedal. Um, (laughs) I I did an original song of mine, um, which I released like a while ago now, called Beautiful, um, which is very, I, I purely wrote that song with the loop pedal in mind and it all just builds as like one big loop. Nobody knows what beauty is anymore. Cause do they actually look like that or just really good at Photoshop, oh lord. Isn't that strange? If you want to be beautiful, then please take my advice. Um, and then I did Zebra by John Butler Trio. Which That's I'm, cool. I'm sure you guys all know yeah. that song. And um, yeah, I did like some guitar solos and things in it. And yeah, they were really, really stoked 
with where I was at and they accepted me on the spot, said like, yeah, we'll definitely have you. Um, and then, yeah, I started the next year, moved to Perth. So do you consider yourself a gifted musician? I mean, it sounds like you had almost your Abbey Road year when you were teaching and you're just playing the whole time, like mm. getting that, albeit not 10,000 hours, but a lot of time in. Yeah. But but were you a bit of a natural? Um, I could always sing relatively in tune. Like, I thought I was better at the time. I think that's what it is with pitch is like, you, you hear yourself as more in tune than what you are. Mm. And when I look back at the old videos, I was like, wow, I really thought I was great at this point. And I was, I was pretty bad. <laughs> do you, Tim, um, do you ever look back at your old videos of, <laughs> of have, you singing in the office? I have no doubt uh, how, <laughs> how good or bad I, I, I am. <laughs> but yeah, like my parents are not musical, as in they're not musicians. But my dad can sing relatively well. I don't know why, whether he did like anything in school. He has never really told me. But um, he can sing pretty well in tune. Mum, mm. not so much. <laughs> so I still, like most of the time, she just sort of like sings in the key that feels comfortable to her rather than the key of the song. <laughs> so like sometimes it sounds nice and then other times it's like you're not in tune. <laughs> but, but you're still singing the right melody, but you're in a different key. But um, yeah, I always, I could always sort of sing in tune. And I found guitar picked up relatively quickly. More so than anything, I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed lessons and I really enjoyed just getting good at something. And um, so I just practiced a lot more than anything. I don't think if anyone just goes and does a lesson like once a week, they're going to get good at anything. Like you've really got to put in the time. And um, same with singing. Like I could always sing in tune, but I've been doing lessons now since I was 15. And like the progression since then, like just looking at that video, it's insane like how much you improve when you're practicing all the time and performing all the time and just constantly working on yourself and your craft. Do you find yourself getting in? We've spoken before about the flow state. So a guy called Mihai Chick sent me high talks about this optimal period of optimal arousal where you're really in the zone mm. and time flies and you don't even know, you know, the passage of time. You're just really focused. Yep. Do you, do you find that with your music? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yep. When I was really into looping, I would spend hours, yeah. hours and hours just in my little studio at my parents' house, mm. just practicing all the time. I was trying to practice for like a few hours a night. Um, now, nowadays I'm actually learning piano because, oh, wow. um, for music teaching, I just wanted to get better at theory more than anything. And guitar is a little bit of a messy instrument as far as theory, whereas piano is ridiculously straightforward. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just all in a line. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, it makes so much sense and mm -hmm. you can just see everything. Um, but yeah, I'll spend, I always try and do an hour a day and sometimes I don't do it, but usually when I do it, I stay for more than an hour and I just don't really watch the clock and it just mm. sort of time just goes by. The most time I feel it though, more than anything is when I'm recording. Mm. Um, when I'm recording myself in particular at home, like you just get lost in it and then you're like, wow, I've been doing this for like four hours and I've just been <laughs> like recording and just, you just fully get like, absorbed into the music mm. and you're just trying to get like the best product you can. So you just like keep doing heaps of takes of everything and you just don't realise how much time has sort of passed. Mm. Do you mm. think that's the definition of passion? Yeah, for sure. I think if you are having to force yourself to do anything, you're probably not very passionate about it. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to get good because yeah, it's just all about how much time you put in. But you've got to make sure when you practice, you're actually like doing like good practice. Deliberate practice. Yeah, for yep. sure. Because sometimes like, like I have like a very strict routine that I try and do, especially with piano, because otherwise I'll just end up jamming for like ages. And you'll, you'll get better from jamming, <laughs> yeah. but like if you're not actually practicing scales and like different chords and inversions and things like that, you're not really going to actually like get to the next level. You're mm. just going to jam with the skills you already have. And this is that whole 10,000 hours concept that Malcolm mm. Gladwell popularized. It was originally coined by a guy called Anders Ericsson, and he said it, it needed to be what he called deliberate practice. Yeah. So it's not just hitting a tennis ball against the wall, it is working on aspects of your forehand. And yeah. It sounds exactly like what you say. Yeah, for sure. If you just go and just, just jam all the time, you'll mm. get better, but not heaps better. Yeah. <laughs> like you'll get better in those areas that you're just constantly working on, but not the whole picture.
And and how do you sort of measure your own improvement? I mean, how do you do you have a teacher yourself, or do you self teach? Well, say for your your guitar when, or your even your your songwriting. Like, how do you? get that deliberate practice so you're not just noodling but you're actually working on something do you set yourself goals or do you yeah that's a loaded question um (laughs) so for piano i do have a teacher because i'm very new to it i've only been doing it for like less than a year and um so he gives me stuff to work on i'm doing like um some songs by Bach and Mozart and mm. things like that. I'm doing old classical piano pieces to just try just and... More hour. I just want to make sure I just, like, actually <laughs> get a grasp. 12 overture. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just want to get a grasp over that side of music because yeah. I just didn't have much of that instilled in me in school because just I was just doing contemporary guitar yep. and contemporary singing. Um, and as a teacher, you just want to be able to teach all styles as much as you can, at least a little bit of everything. Um, so, yeah, I have specific things that I sort of do and um, goals that I set for myself. But I guess when you're doing an instrument that's like brand new, it's really easy to see the improvement because you improve so drastically. With guitar, like I've been playing guitar now for 10 years. So I started when I was 13, I'm turning 23 in like six days. And um, yeah, the improvement's definitely a lot smaller, but it's still there. Like sometimes I'll do something, I'm like, oh wow, that was cool. More than anything, it's just um, for me, being able to do more stuff while singing and I just have to think about the guitar a lot less, mm. playing that more intricate like riffs and things like that while still being able to sing and just sort of maintain like both levels at the same time. Because usually when I'm singing and playing guitar, I'm thinking about my voice. I don't really think about the guitar anymore. Mm. It's just gotten to a point where I just, just sort of do it. And I, yeah, I think that's more what I'm focusing on with the guitar. The like really great guitarists like will focus on like getting that perfect tone and things like that and just working on scales and getting a lot better in the technical aspects of the instrument. But I'm less focused on that now and more focused on just becoming a really great singer-guitarist. Mm. So, yeah, I guess if I did sit down and focus more on just being a really great lead guitarist, I would definitely see a lot more improvement on the guitar. But, yeah, it's sort of a weird one with the guitar because I'm not doing lessons anymore. I feel like I'm still improving but yeah, it's definitely a lot smaller mm. and I'm doing less deliberate practice on certain aspects of the guitar that I would need to if I wanted to become a really, really great guitarist. They are. And in fact, we were just talking before we went live that they're being taught by a, a fellow Whopper yes. graduate. And this guy's off the charts in terms of skill, but also just the understanding of music, you mm. know, that sort of theory background. And, and so, yeah, Tom Purdy from um, Atlas, Atlas Chasers, who, yeah. who's uh, single bridges they've currently allowed us to use in previous episodes. As has Mitchell, he's going to allow us to use some of his music. Too. Awesome. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Um, but yeah, they are. What's your advice for young kids who are picking up a guitar and being inspired by Ed Sheeran or Mitchell Martin? Just play and enjoy it more than anything, you know? Like, you've got to... The first thing is always find the enjoyment in the, in- in the instrument and just make sure you're actually having fun. If you're having fun, you're going to learn better because you're going to be more motivated to learn. If you're just doing something just to get good, like, you're going to have just mm. less motivation eventually... And obviously, I think that's the biggest problem with, like, kids learning instruments is a lot of the time it's not them wanting to do it. Like, their parents are really, like, force, <laughs> forceful in, like, learning the instrument. And I've, I'm sure that's not the case with you. It's actually super funny because um, my boy who started learning first, my youngest, yeah. um, super organic, you know, said, oh, I want to do this. But he's now hitting this point where we're sort of barking at him to practice. And it, yeah. it's funny, as you say that, we're, we're sort of thinking – this is self-defeating. Whereas my daughter, who's just got into it, um, is 
super intrinsically motivated. She mm. she wants to noodle around and yeah, it, it's funny just hearing you say that she's yeah. very in that that latter category. It's got to be intrinsic. As soon as it's extrinsic, you just <laughs> don't get any better. Like you just need to have that inside yourself, the desire to get better. The kids whose parents like just like hammer them about it. Like I never had that from my parents. And I think I'm so grateful that I didn't because if they had been telling me to practice, I probably wouldn't have done it. But because mm. I just wanted to get better for my own reasons, I just did. You know, I just did practice and I found the time. They were more telling me, stop practicing so much, go study. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Well, stop playing all the time. <laughs> Have Greg, a break. Greg Wallace, who we interviewed on the program, talks about finding and following your bliss. Mm. It sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. Although there's an interesting counter argument. There's a book called Battle Hymn of the, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother, which talks about a, a Chinese American girl whose mum was all about you don't go outside until you've done your four hours of violin sort yeah, of practice. Okay. And she hated it. It was very extrinsic and then ends up playing at Carnegie Hall as a virtuoso and says, oh, I'm glad she did that. So I guess there's um, two different approaches. But I certainly, I'm more with you, Mitchell. I, I think yeah. it, it needs to be organic. I'm sure there would be some success stories with that. <laughs> I just know so many people that Burnt out. started piano when they were five and just mm. never play ever again. You yeah. know, like so many so many people, even just from like Bunbury, <laughs> they yeah. were like piano players. And as soon as they got to high school, they just, just gave it up. And they've, they've done it for like eight years, you know. So what a, well, so much effort, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the parents must be so disappointed because they've just like hammered their kids into doing it. And then eventually it's like, we can't just keep forcing, you know, just get be, to a point. Just became a chore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What lessons you're learning through university as opposed to your own studio or on stage? Has that been a valuable process yeah, absolutely. to being a musician? So yeah, when I did the diploma in the advanced diploma, it was all about performing in bands, writing songs. Um, that was mainly it. Like, we did a lot yeah. of bit of theory and a bit of oral um, and things like that, but it was heavily about songwriting and just collaborating. It definitely made me a much better band musician because I'd been doing the solo thing for like a while because I'd done a lot of band stuff in the earlier years of high school. But then towards the end of it, I was more focusing on doing the solo looping thing. And once I got to Perth, I was mainly focused on that. And now I've got a band. And I perform mm. with a band all the time. And um, just becoming a good band leader and being able to like have a really strong direction over each instrument and what you're wanting from each of them and knowing like, what their part is within a song. And Whopper really helped me with that. And that was my first two years of Whopper. Um, I'm now in my fourth year, so this is my the fourth year of being there. And for the last year and a bit, I've been doing the music education degree. So I'm doing a bachelor's degree now in um, secondary teaching for music. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm learning all about how children learn and mm. how to get them motivated and um, just how to be a good teacher, basically, which is it's more it's less about music and more just about the teaching theories more than anything. So, yeah. One of the things that was evident in all of the shows that I've seen is mm. your band have a lot of fun on stage. Oh, absolutely. They're all enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And the other thing I noticed that was quite peculiar and I haven't seen before is you don't take pauses between songs. Yes. You transition from one song into another without a break in music. Absolutely. Can you talk so about that, that's you a rookie that? era. How do you say, <laughs> Detroit, we love you. <laughs> You've got to have that. <laughs> Yeah, so At yeah, what, what I would you usually get to do smash a guitar. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I usually do is um we transition and then I'm talking over like the first sort of chords that you would normally have as an intro. So I still do talk to the crowd and introduce the song a little bit. But yeah, we just try and always yeah, keep it flowing cuz I feel like when you have a gap between every song and you say, "Oh, this next song's about this. Hope you like it." <laughs> Start playing, you know. <laughs> this next song's about this. I hope you like it. It was just a thing like we really got taught at Whopper. Try not to just 
keep you don't have to like yeah. it's just not necessary so yeah we sort of do like the first three songs just back to back and i'll introduce over like the second song the first song we usually just get started straight away just to really capture the audience get them all into it mm. rather than just making it sort of jagged mm. like in between each song and um yeah it's definitely something that i really try and do as much as possible just to i just always try and think of it as a big show you know you want people to to really just be fully in the music for your 45 minute set or hour set or whatever you're doing mm. so yeah and what was the other part of your question oh that's it that, that was it yeah <laughs> it's, it's funny though i tried to do that once like because we were having these gaps in a gig mm. and so i started playing the next song thinking that crackers our lead singer would would you know, pick up and, hey, it's good to see you, and then get into the song. Yes. He went off and got a beer. So I'm playing, it was um, Darling It Hurts, you know, the, the Paul Kelly song? Yes. Anyway, so this riff, I'm playing it thinking the whole band's going to join in, and then I couldn't stop. So I ended up playing five minutes of... Dun, 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 like, oh it was my goodness. awkward. Yeah, so that is fun. Yeah, it's did not work for us. We practice it. I th- Oh, that was the other part, like having fun on stage. Yeah, the band having fun. We practice all the time. We we at least try and rehearse once a week, especially when we've got shows all the time. So we usually um, we usually have like one show a week. Obviously not at the moment, but usually we we did have one show a week, and um, we'd usually try and yeah rehearse on like Tuesday or Wednesday or somewhere like early in the middle of the week, and then we gig on the weekend, and then we all have um, we record all our rehearsals just with like the voice memos, Very cool. and then we just upload that to Dropbox so that everyone can like practice at home as well. And um, I think because we're so well rehearsed and we practice like w- like doing the changes and then me talking as well, like we do it all in the rehearsal. So I sort of have like a fairly good idea of what I'm going to say. I'm trying to say the exact same thing in every show, but it's pretty like sort of around the same sort of idea. Yeah. And then I'll have a little bit of in the show where I'll talk about something a bit different. But usually it's like, hey guys, we're Mitchell Martin. Like, I'm Mitchell Martin. This is my band. Yes. This next song is this. We did this, this, this with the song. Yeah. Here it is, and like, and we start, like, and we're already playing it and things like that. And because we practice so hard, we can just have fun on stage. Yeah. We don't have to. We're not really thinking as much about just play the right notes. Like mm. you know, we we playing the right notes. You know, like, we don't have, <laughs> it's beautiful. It, it's it's really weird when one of us one of us doesn't. Six months since you left me Without all your heart Now it's left you with on me Or you can walk back into my life I worked so damn hard to get it And I won't let you put me down I finally live my life Oh, darling, I don't need you now I was left lying on the floor Writing down these words in this empty room Now, darling Can't stop singing that I don't want you back, no. Now, one yeah. of the things you said on stage is, this is my song, No Escape. It's got over half a million yeah. downloads on Spotify. Yes. Talk about that feeling, to, to put a song up there that has, as of today, 540,191 downloads <laughs> for wow. No Escape. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I can't stop singing. So that was a song I featured on. So um, it was with uh, a producer from over. Oh, it was two two different producers from overseas, and it was released through an EDM label. Um, the thing with the EDM songs is like, I'm more expecting them to get like good streams and good numbers because they're put out with the labels and they have that push. Whereas with my own songs, it's like if it goes really well, it's like well, like you know mm. that that was a fluke. Whereas with these ones. Like there's definitely more chance of their getting like really good streams and stuff like that. But at the same time, 500,000 is way more than what we normally get when, with the different producers that I've worked with. And it was, yeah, we were all like really surprised with how well it went and how many playlists it got added to and Mm. things like that to really push it. And it's awesome to be able to play that one live with the band and say like, yeah, I wrote this with some producers from overseas and now it's got this many streams and like this many people have actually listened to this song, Mm. which is really cool. And many of your other songs have got over 120,000 downloads as well. Yeah. So I've had, I've done a, a bunch of feature songs now as a way of building up my following and building up my audience and finding like a bit of a different audience as well because the electronic music scene is super strong. So I feature on like a whole bunch of EDM songs. They send me the instrumental track 
I write and record, I write the lyrics and then I record it at home and um, send it back to them. And then we sort of bounce it back a few times and then they mix and master it and release it. So I'm just sort of like the feature artist on the song. But yeah, um, my um, previous single, because I've just released a new one, but my yes, previous single... Yes, let's get to that one in a second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, it's now past 100,000 streams and I released that one fully independently, recorded it, wrote it, composed it like all myself. I like, went to a studio and recorded it. I recorded all the parts except for the drums and I had like a session drummer come in and play it and now that song yeah it just got in some big playlists and it's just blown up and it's such an awesome such an awesome like i don't even know it was just so cool yeah i was just <laughs> well, really let's, yeah. let's dissect the new single be myself um it's yeah. been described the lyrics are about the struggle to fit in while being true to yourself mm. and you were quoted as saying it's the kind of music i want to be playing right now yeah, absolutely. Talk about the lyrics because there's some quite strong lyrics at the start. Uh, standing outside in the rain, mm. you're looking inside. You want to be the people inside. Yeah. The rain's burning your skin. Yes. What was inspiring that? I stand outside in the rain. I feel it burn my skin. Or shouldn't it cool me down and not hurt me? I look at the people inside. I want to be like them Or should it really be so hard for me? And I hate myself for feeling like this Why can't my mind just stop? And no it was, um, I was just trying to write with some more metaphors I feel like sometimes my lyrics are a little bit too straightforward so I was really just trying to think of like some ways to write like, man, I'm struggling to like fit in, like how do I actually write that? So yeah, I had sort of the idea of, oh, like it's like you're standing outside and it's raining and everyone's inside and you just want to be in there, but you just can't be. And Is just... it representative of the way you're feeling at a moment in time? Be myself. I try to calm myself by slowly breathing in, but the air um, oh, it was... It was more so just reflecting on just like, just life in general. That like happens all the time, you know, you feel like you sort of just have to be a different person to just fit into whatever's happening. Mm. I feel it quite strongly in the music scene in Perth because I'm probably one of the only like pop musicians around. It's very indie, very alternative music here that's super strong. But I've always, yeah, I've always just liked commercial music and I like writing catchy pop pop songs with a bit of like rocky edge and real organic instruments still in there but I don't want to just fully change my music to be able to fit in. Mm. Talk to us about the the live music scene in Australia because we've got a very proud history of pub rock yep, bands the Midnight Oils sure. and the Cold Chisels yep. and you know clearly that was a different time mm. um, we a lot of people despair that that's died is is yep. there a resurgence of live music notwithstanding coronavirus, and we'll probably come to that in a second, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, is, is are people going to shows, are people enjoying live music in the same way they might have in the 70s and 80s? The pub rock scene was a weird one because um, there was just less to do at the time and people, like, were more inclined to go out to the pubs and there were bands playing and mm. DJs were less as big of a thing. So people, and they just enjoyed going and watching rock bands more. And a lot of the pub rock bands, like they started off more as like the cover band sort of thing. Like, um, like In Excess used to do like yeah. a whole bunch of like the covers and they wanted to play originals, but they couldn't. And mm. like, so yeah, it's definitely less of a thing now. Um, I feel like the original scene here though in Perth and in Australia is still really strong. There'll still be people that come out to your shows but you've got to do the work. Like, it's so, it's so hard. Um, there's not just going to be an organic audience. What's your favourite live, live music venue? Oh, it's a hard one. I played at the Rosemount Hotel the other day, and the lighting there is insane. Good one. Yeah, I really, and the sound as well. Badlands is awesome. Um, what about Mojo's for all those Perth aficionados? I do like Mojo's. Yeah, you I do can, like Mojo's. You can stand and, and touch the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, that what, that. is that what you look for in a live music <laughs> venue? Or you can stage. turn around, get a beer, and turn around and touch the stage touch and the ceiling. And yeah. The yeah, it is cool. It is. It's it's a good setup as in like you walk in the door, the stage is right there, the bar's right there, which mm -hmm. is really cool. 
Because Mojo's is primarily like... You go there. You go there for the music. Yeah. There is a beer garden out the back, but more like the majority of people are inside there to watch the show. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. I like... There's like a lot of different venues that I like, and they've all sort of got their ups and downs. But, yeah, I more look at which shows have like really great sound and really great lighting because mm. it just makes... It's so much more fun for you. You're when it geeking just, out. You just know it sounds awesome and it <laughs> looks really cool. And sometimes you watch back like the videos that people have taken and the lighting's just like matching perfectly and it's so cool. Because yeah. most like venues, like the, when you're playing like the smaller ones, the lighting's it's just on. Like because I don't have like a lighting person, <laughs> so it's just it's just on and there's just like some red lights or whatever. When they actually like are doing stuff and like moving it around for different points of the song, like it's actually so cool. And you don't realize how like, effective lighting yeah. is mm. until you see a really good lighting show and you're like, wow, like it made us look. 10 times better because <laughs> we, like, we need a lighting guy yeah <laughs> we just turn the lights on yeah <laughs> well, it's like a bit of like a strobe light makes everything more intense yeah and when you move in the, in the studio here you just look cooler because like <laughs> yeah you just look cooler because like i don't know you can look a bit like awkward just like moving around but when you're moving around there's like a strobe it's like oh you look like you're moving like <laughs> it's more interesting when strobe lights were introduced into nightclubs and you used to Move your do hands. Do the robot. And, yeah, do the robot. You feel yeah, like you're yeah. a better dancer. For sure. For sure. It's, it's the exact same feeling. <laughs> okay, um, let's, well, let's, let's, speaking of live venues and the, the industry in general, mm. coronavirus, I mean, are, are you seeing shows cancelled this very early stage of the pandemic? What What's yeah. it looking like for mm. entertainment industry? Everyone's had everything cancelled. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I've lost all my shows. Yeah. So, and um, you had a single launch on the 28th yeah, of March. Yeah, yeah. So I was supposed to be playing song. a show tonight. It was a showcase called Platform Volume 4. And that was at Badland, which I was very excited about. Um, and yeah, that one got cancelled. Because they've actually, it was originally like, shouldn't have 500 or more people. Mm. And now it's a strict 100-person ban. And, four, um, four square metres per there's person. Like, yeah. There's no venues that have like less than 100 capacity. I've been sitting, watching you grow as I just stay the same. I'm starting to think that I'm going nowhere fast. I feel the pressure building, falling apart. So yeah, I had like a cancellation, literally like, right as I walked in, I was like, oh, there's like the last gig I had, <laughs> like gone, so now I have no money. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard time, but I think it's for the best, you know. Yeah, well, clearly societally. Are, are there any, uh, I guess, novel alternatives coming out? Are people doing live yeah. stream gigs? Yeah, or? so the live stream thing, like a couple of people have been doing it. Um, I don't know how effective it would be, like a live stream thing, because I've done a bit of live stream in the past, and like the lag is just like incredibly bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like more just putting up videos, and I've, I've noticed people just getting a lot more creative and just. At home, they're putting out heaps of videos online to just keep putting out stuff and things like that. So I think that's sort of the alternative. I um, I know people have done like um some videos and they have like a, a place where you can like donate like Patreon and things like that, so people can choose like donate you a little bit of money yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Because yeah, most of most musicians do it as a full time thing. Yeah. So now we just have like no income uh, at all. So, <laughs> so how, yeah. how can the population support musicians? I mean, you're a Triple J unearthed. Mm. Uh, musician be myself was nominated for the 2019 west australian song of the year if i'm not yes, mistaken correct yeah so incredibly well credentialed but just no opportunity to really play so as we muddle our way through this thing called mm. coronavirus how can we support musicians the best thing to do is to buy music like streaming music is really cool but there's just like you get 0.004 cents per stream so like a million streams is four thousand dollars which people always think it's a lot more than that it's not much money in it like you have yeah. to get like bulk streams so yeah but downloading you can get like a like a dollar if you if you're on itunes and um the best place to actually do it is Bandcamp. 
which is um and it's like it's a it's a one that most like independent artists go on and what it is is you can set your like minimum limit so like some of my songs I'll have like the minimum limit it's like 50 cents so people can pay a bit less if they want to but they also have the option to pay as much as they'd like to mm-hmm. so if they really wanted to help out that they could pay like $20 for a song and um some people like will do that like they're just like oh I really like this person's music I want to help them financially so they can put out more music and it's just sort of like a a really supportive place to do it so, well, yeah. you've been very generous in giving us some music, so we will definitely support oh. you on Bandcamp. Oh, I'll make, I'll make so sure much. of that. Oh, and uh, also for our listeners, please jump on Bandcamp and support your local artists, including Mitchell Martin. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Um, but yeah, other ways. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did <laughs> you, you have a question? I've got lots of questions. <laughs> okay, shoot. Aspirations. Where, where do you want to go? I mean, every kid, many kids grow up dreaming of being a rock star, playing music full time. Yeah. Obviously, the reality is probably not as glamorous as yeah. what I still imagine it must be like. <laughs> um, but, you know, is that where you want to go? Do you want to be gigging full time? Oh. Do you want to be teaching? What, what's your What's the dream? Oh, it would be amazing to just play stadiums all the time, you know. <laughs> that would be the dream. The, the not, at, not at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Empty stadiums. Like the stadiums, yeah. the AFL. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'll just take it as far as I can, you know, like I'm getting the education degree is like my solid backup plan for if I never get to like a level where I can fully support myself and a family off of just performing. But if I could, it'd be amazing. And so my sequel, around and you asked me if I had questions, Tim. Yeah. I know I just wanted to jump in. Go oh. hijack. Well, when you, there's no point you asking a question if I can interrupt. <laughs> my sequel question, what, what does it take to, to go the Ed Sheeran? So clearly the guy's got talent, but... Talented people are dime a dozen. Clearly, his songs are great, mm. but you stumble across amazing songs all the time that no one's ever heard. Well, what does it take to to get into that stadium feeling sort of level? It's a weird one because there's no real straight line. Like, I find that the most frustrating thing. Like, if you play like a sport and you want to play in the AFL or something like that, mm-hmm. you level up. You know, you yeah, go okay. to, okay, I'll play in Peel and then I'll play Waffle and then I'll go to AFL. And it's sort of, there's a very straight line and you just have to be the best. In music, it's not really about how great you are. Like for sure, all these people that are like massive are talented, yeah. but it's not about being like the best musician, artist in the world. It's just about, I don't even know. Like it's just, so there's there's be no a, real a, straight way. Like if, Obviously, you've got to be talented. Yep. And then maybe if you just write the right song and it gets heard by the right person mm. is how I guess it would happen for a lot of people. A lot of artists that I really like just got found on YouTube and they didn't really write a lot of their songs at all and they're just sort of just propelled straight into the scene. Some people I know just end up getting mal- managed by like a massive team mm-hmm. and they just propel them. Um, once you're with like a big label and a big management team and stuff, they can get you into the right is they can get you into the spotify playlists that will get you heard by everyone and build your fan base really quickly they can get you on commercial radio all the time so you just blast it in people's yeah. ears and things like that so that's probably the quickest way to get somewhere like massive like that um you just got to be careful not to sign anything too dodgy so you actually get a reasonable deal out of it um yeah it's a really hard one yeah i, I don't really know the answer yeah. for sure because i'm just not anywhere near that level um, and I've never had like an offer like that being given to me. So yeah, I'm not really sure. Could I write you a song? To tell you how much you mean to me. I know these words are not enough. But it's the only way I could think To tell you this This silence is killing me How can I overcome this When you left us to go on Oh please don't leave so soon I wish I could have been there And used my time to tell you this we all forget time and so fast And if I don't see you again
So yeah, actually getting just getting people to your shows and just getting actual building a fan base is so difficult. So yeah. Well, for Ed Sheeran, who's definitely listening to mm, the podcast, for sure, just get you on tour with him. Yeah, oh, come on, Ed. Wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah. You know, like opening for someone like that. And of yeah. course, things like social media, you've mentioned YouTube before, yeah. has, has made a massive difference. Oh, for in terms sure. Of- you got to have the numbers. Like They just want to see that you're big everywhere. you got to be big online and big in real life. And it's just, yeah. Your music videos are really cool. Oh, thank you. I um, appreciate it. One out in the middle of the field, one in the warehouse, I yeah. think, for the latest single. How much time and effort does it take to record a music video? And can you have some fun amidst yeah. all of that? Yeah, for sure. The hardest thing is to find a good place to record because it needs to be like, it just needs to look nice. It's like the best, the, the most important thing in a music video. Um, and the hardest thing is just getting everyone there. Like just finding a day when like my, all my band members are free for it. Getting the a bunch of musicians to rock up yeah. to, to play music. And um, <laughs> like it's the same. It's the same for videographers. Like when they do the original music stuff, they just know they're not going to get paid as much because it's like we don't have any money. And they can go do corporate stuff and get paid bulk. And it's like the same for me. Like if I go and do a corporate show and I play just cover songs, I'll make a lot more money than if I go and do an original show, unless it's like a really big one where I sell just bulk tickets. And of course, the story music videos don't have to make any sense. They don't. It's proven well. <laughs> and yeah. you know what you need is you need a producer, that guy that doesn't really do anything, Yonka, <laughs> sort of, kind of, to coordinate it all for yeah. you. Triple J on Earth. Yes. Let's talk about that. How, how did it feel to be discovered by Triple J? Yeah. Oh, so cool. So yeah, Triple J on Earth played me on Amped like um, a few weeks ago. And um, that was the first time I've ever had really any success on triple j whatsoever um which was super cool like they played me on their unearthed like digital radio station yeah and do i also remember correctly that you've been discovered in argentina yeah yeah so um so after dim the lights (laughs) big in japan (laughs) (laughs) so after dim the lights got like um like big on spotify and stuff they just tagged me on instagram like they didn't ask me or anything like they just sort of put it up and it was like I was like what is this because it was all in a different language mm-hmm. and they were talking about it so I like translated like the Instagram post and it was yeah Estacion K2 Estacion K2 probably um, in um, yeah Argentina and they played yeah Dim the Lights and they talked about me as like an upcoming like, artist and posted like the music video and stuff so it got some airplay on in Argentina which was awesome I wonder how many listeners we have in Argentina <laughs> I'm going to check that out sets. Yeah. I, I imagine it would be less than Mitchell <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're helping him out here. I don't think we'll be giving him a leg up in Argentina no <laughs> alright well all this talk about music mm. what say gents we play some music what, what do you want to play could we finish with some quick questions quick answers let's do that. some excellent ones how quick are they Super quick. Okay. Have you got any? Uh, I can quickly think of some quick questions. <laughs> Mitchell, we often finish with this little segment, quick questions, quick answers. Okay. You ready for some rapid fire responses? Probably not. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, don't, don't worry. I'll We've try. had some that don't. Yeah, yeah. Give quick... and, and in fact, our questions normally ramble as well. Uh, as they are now. Got it. Slam the door How do I stay when it feels like All this trying is a waste of time Who's your guitar god? Oh, I don't know. Um, John Mayer. John Mayer. Nice. Yep. Nice. Biggest fan? My biggest fan. Your biggest fan? Uh, I have this girl called Olivia who's like 14 and she's my biggest fan on Instagram for sure. She comments on like every everything, which is really cool. <laughs> Other than that, probably my mum. <laughs> Good on. Well, shout out to Olivia and your mum. <laughs> Get your mum to sing in key though. <laughs> Fender Stratocaster or Gibson Les Paul? Strat. Oh. I'm a strat guy. Are they cocktails? 
<laughs> Whose music do you listen to? Uh, Sean Mendes, Ed Sheeran, mm-hmm. James Arthur, James T.W., J.P. Cooper, um, John Mayer, uh, Imagine Dragons. Yeah, a whole bunch of people. Did not mention Tongue Charge. <laughs> we're, we're a bit more alternative. <laughs> very alternative. Yeah, very. <laughs> yeah. Um, coolest music video of all time. I don't really know. I don't, I, have, I, it, I must say it's not the first thing I go to yep. is the music video. Like I'm always more of a song person. I don't feel like I've watched that many people's music videos. One is honestly not coming to mind as like a standout. Oh, I like the Pretenders film clip by Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it starts off the right and it looks, gear and... Yeah, it looks like it's, oh, it's, you know, it's pretty budget. And then at the end, there's just all these people like running at them, which yeah, is very cool. cool. I did yeah. like that one. That was cool. Good answer. Hmm. Leather jacket or denim jacket? Uh, leather, usually, yeah. But mind you, I've just actually bought like a denim one. So I'm going to be trying that out. It's like my new look when it comes to winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Spontaneous follow-on question. Leather pants or denim <laughs> pants? <laughs> denim all the time. <laughs> I don't must say, I've never actually worn leather pants before. I don't think I could pull it off. <laughs> well, the Kill Capture jacket, the Pathfinder jacket. <laughs> yeah, may come out in, in a pant version. Mark Wales was promising us. Yeah, at Mark Wales, we just did an episode. Uh, he's the CEO of a jacket-making company called Kill Capture. Okay. And... They are cool jackets. They are very cool yeah. jackets. Yeah, well. Mm. Maybe you could sponsor you for yeah, a jacket. Yeah, I would be keen. I don't I'm, have I'm showing my age because my answer to that coolest music video question would be Guns N' Roses, November Rain, where Slash in leather pants is sort of standing in unexplicably and inexplicably in front of a church with a helicopter flying around him. That is good. Doing a guitar yeah. solo with a guitar that's not plugged what in. What also is good is the fact that you're two questions behind. My last question is, what is your coolest rock star moment? When have you felt most like a, a, a real rock star? I got to play Optus Stadium once. So oh. I did a, um, in front of like a whole, it was the Fremantle Dockers game. Mm-hmm. And I played in front of, um, it was quarter time. I got to play through the whole PA system. I did it with the loop pedal, which was super scary. <laughs> um, and yeah, I played an Ed Sheeran song. It was very cool. Sixty thousand people in that. Stadium. Yeah, I think at that time it was it was literally like the first it was like the first game there. It was their their first. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was very special. And uh, so I think there was like about like fifty thousand people there. Okay, uh, same thing. What's your dream venue? If you could play one venue in the world, where would you like to play? There's um, plenty of awesome options here. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, it'd, Square be, Garden, it'd be Wembley awesome Stadium. to play at like Wembley. But um, yeah. yeah, thinking more locally, I'd just love to play at Astor theater just like a like imagine like selling out just like a thousand cap room like it'd be amazing like just even just that (laughs) like i think wembley is such like a huge goal like eighty thousand people it's massive how do people find out more about you um you can find me on like my website which is uh www.mitchellmartinmusic.com um you can also find me on spotify um, as well as Apple Music and all the other online stores. And then I have Instagram and Facebook. It's at Mitchell Martin Music. Um, and yeah, you can pretty much find me like everywhere if you just look up Mitchell Martin Music, like you'll find all my stuff. But before you go looking, go straight to Bandcamp yeah, right now. Absolutely. And donate some cash to Mitchell Martin ah, and any other... And grab some music while you're there. Get some music while you're there yeah. and any of these other musicians who are being affected. Yeah, yeah. and heaps of like the um, independent acts and stuff that have merch and things like that as well. So you can buy all their merch on there That's cool. and do, do it merch? all through there. No, no not merch. at this point. Not yet. Well, Mitchell, it's been fantastic talking <laughs> uh, to you. Thank, thank you for you so sharing your, your story, but now it's time for you to sing for your supper. That's right. And what are we going to play? Can we, are we going to play a couple? Yeah, I could play a couple. I'll definitely play the new single, Be Myself. Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks very much for being on The Unforgiving 60. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. Outside in the rain, I feel it burn my skin. Shouldn't it cool me down and not hurt me? I look at the people inside, I want to be like them. Or should it really be so hard for me? And I hate myself for feeling like this. 
Why can't my mind just stop? And oh, I I look around and I feel so lost inside. in the arts and truly believe that these form a key component of resilience and make the world a much more beautiful place. Music played on this podcast can reach over a thousand ears a day and the incredible artists who gave us permission to use their music on season one have been downloaded tens of thousands of times on Spotify. If you are a musician or band who wants to expose your songs to a global audience in over 100 countries, please get in touch with us at debrief at unforgiving60.com. Now to the debrief. We strive for continuous improvement and greatly appreciate your insights and feedback. Also, if you know someone who is living that life less ordinary, please tell us. You can get in touch at debrief at unforgiving60.com. That's debrief at unforgiving60.com. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and write a review for us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow and engage with us on social media. Just search for Unforgiving 60 on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next episode, keep filling your unforgiving minutes with 60 seconds worth of distance run. See you next time on the Unforgiving 60.